Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So if you guys remember, the last, we've done a couple on this, is this whole thing of we are trying, we're learning to follow God, right? Follow him in life. But how do we do that? One of the best ways is to look at how Jesus led in this life. And we talked about how Jesus teaches last week. And if you guys remember, what was the key to getting out, getting what Jesus is teaching? Ask questions. questions. The vulnerability to get low and admit you don't have all the answers. Now, I'm not talking to the women now. (laughs) No, but, but who here likes to admit you don't know the answers? Yeah, there you go. And, but it's the hungry who get fed. It's those who ask questions who get answers. There's a vulnerability. Thousands upon thousands of people heard Jesus' messages. Only a very few got the, the actual truth that was behind it and therefore got the breakthrough. But another th- area where is that everybody coming to Jesus, right? All these people coming to Jesus, so many of them came with what? A, su- a need, right? a need for healing, a need for breakthrough, a need for more. I submit to you, nobody comes to Jesus initially out of intellectual curiosity. Jesus, I would like, please make your case. I would like to hear it. We all come because we have a need. And Jesus wants to meet that need. In fact, the primary reason Jesus always led with healing is it's the best way, the shortcut to someone's heart for them to feel the love of God in their body. Scott, are you feeling loved right now by Jesus? Come on. That love of God that hits you when you, he sees me, he knows me, he, he cares about me. Man, the number of times I'll be talking to someone, they'll say, you know what? I just, I just don't think the God of the universe would care about little old me. You know, Stephen Hawkins, one of the most brilliant men who, who lived, that was his argument against the, the, cre- the existence of God. He said, I believe there is a God. I just can't imagine that he would be worried about me. When supernatural healing shows up, all those arguments go out the window, doesn't it? Because it's a slip and slide to the heart of the person. God's desire in every single encounter with you is that you experience his love. That's it. Why? Because it's all about what? Relationship. We've said this again and again. If you've got to recognize that the entire scope of the Bible is from beginning to end, it's about relationship. God, who was perfect relationship in and of himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in perfect relationship, they made room. God made room for us. It says we are united with Christ. We are one with Christ. And Christ is one with God. He says, I desire they may be one even as we are one. Like, It's all about relationship with each other and relationship with God. All of it is, and love is the means by which that happens. But anybody here, oh, we'll get there. So last time we were talking about, uh, we were looking at Jesus in Matthew 13 with the parable of the sower. He's doing all this teaching uh, and, and we talked about how they come in. Well, let's finish up that chapter, shall we? I'm going to do a couple, uh, uh, just a few verses at the end of 13, and then we're going to talk about some uh, things, and then we're going to end with just a few more verses, all right? Chapter 13, verse 53. 
After he's done teaching, he teaches on the parable of the sower, the weeds, the mustard seed, the yeast. <laughs> Sounds like a 4-H project. Um, <laughs> yep, the hidden treasure, the pearl, the net. Anyway, he does all this teaching, and it says, 53, verse 53, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Anybody here want to go home and for them to be amazed? Wow. Anybody not had that happen? All right. So what happens? So, so what are we, what's going on here? What's going on here? He, um, it says, coming to his hometown, he began teaching, and they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? So there's a lot there. How are we going to find out what's in, this, in these verses? Ask questions. So what are some questions we can ask of this? Because we ask questions because they give us answers, right? If you don't ask a question, you can't get an answer. All right? There's some delay. All right. So the first question we can ask of this verse is when? When did this happen? It's in here. When did this happen? Right after he did the teaching where the, where the disciples... The only people who got something from Jesus were the ones who were vulnerable to receive, okay? Right after, and actually, if you look at it, I went back and I looked at all the healings that happened between Matthew 4, and then you skip over with the Sermon on the Mount, and then Matthew 8. It's unbelievable the number of massive healings that happened. The, the blind, the uh, deaf, the mute, the paralytic, the, the demon oppressed. And I love these two verses in particular that really just hit my heart. It's Matthew 4, 23. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. How many diseases? Every. Every. Were there exceptions? Is there, is there an exception in every? Okay, every. Every disease and ailment. There was, so there were no diseases or sicknesses that were too much, right? Okay. Then over in chapter 8, it says, right after, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he's, you know, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then the evening came, and many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. What does the word all mean? Everybody. All. Now, I have a question for you. Who here has developed practical theology? Let me explain what that is. Practical theology is, it says this, but it means this. Know what I'm talking about? He says all, but we know that's not true. Until I have sniffles. Until I, yeah, I believe all until I have the sniffles. Anybody here, like you're full of faith until you get a cold? No? Okay, a few of us. All right, awesome. So what's happening here is every single one. He, Jesus has been demonstrating that nothing is too much for God. That nothing is too much. Nothing. I, I've said this before. If our theology, well, I'll say this. Bad theology begins in one of two places. When we talk when God is silent. And the second one is when we start with our experience as the source of truth. If you start with experience as your source of truth, you will never have more than what you've experienced. But if you want more than what you've experienced, you need to lay your experience down at the foot of the cross. 
and receive more. That's the vulnerability, right? So here are all these people. He's been messing with their experience. God, I mean, God was skin on. People been healing left and right. And what, how does his family and friends receive him? Not very well. Let's get back into 13 real quick. Oh, that's Romans 13. Slightly different. I lost my place. There we go. It said, where did this man get his wisdom and miraculous powers? Why did they ask that question? Because his hometown. But why, why was this surprising to them? They saw him growing up. They saw him. They did not see miracles coming out of him. They did not see. And uh, anybody here... You've been pegged in your family by something that happened 25 years ago, and you've never moved on? <laughs> well, we know what kind of person you are, right? He had to grow in favor with God and man. He had to mature just like us. And yet, here, so here's a bunch of people. They've been hearing all this. They've been seeing miracles happen, and they are shocked and amazed. Amazement is neither good nor bad. It simply means that something has confronted your expectation. Something is different than you expected. Does that make sense? When amazement happens, we either go up or we go down. When our present way of thinking is challenged, we either rise up to God's thinking or we descend into our own. There's no in between. So he says they were amazed. And he said, and this is, and they start asking questions. Oh, they're asking questions. I'm so excited. Let's look at their questions, shall we? Isn't this that carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? We know about Mary. Girlfriend. Mm. And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Bunch of bunch of losers. Aren't all his sisters with us? In other words, they couldn't marry him off. Like, what? I mean, like, I mean, just like, whatever. Where did this man get all these things? Because it sure wasn't from them. Are these good questions? They could be because it revealed their offense. See, you can't get an offense dealt with if you're not honest about it. Anybody, anybody, you, you know the spiritual response to give? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, dearly beloved, yes. Please, do pray for me, you stink of elderberry. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, you're like, you can't, when you can't be honest with your offense, it can't be dealt with. Yes, we had a holy grail moment there. I'll bite your kneecaps off. All right, moving on. Okay, I'm easily distracted. And it said they took offense at him. Okay, so I have a question. What are some things that we take offense at people not in this room? I don't know. Okay, so what are some things that we take offense at in other people? Liars? Liars! So in other words, now let, me, let me clarify on that, is anybody had, uh, how do I want to say this, they said one thing, you understood it, and then it, it ended up being something else. Sometimes lies are not as simple as they appear. Just putting that out. Moving on. Lies. What else? Arrogance. Arrogance. I'm offended you would say that. 
Arrogance. Hypocrisy. Come on, come on. Hypocrisy. Selfishness. Oh, yeah, because they are supposed to fulfill my expectations. That's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, I heard something else over here. Thievery? Thievery? Or fa- what was it? Thieves. 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 Is that like elderberry? Thieves. Yes, thieves. I got you. Thievery. Thievery. Uh, I'm going to say this. Favoritism. Judge, um, yeah, I, I'm offended with truth because I haven't figured out how it's wrong yet. <laughs> uh-huh, what else? Hidden agendas. Hidden agendas. Oh, these are good. You guys have been practicing. <laughs> Jealousy. Jealousy, ooh. I get offended when I get judged by other people. Judgment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I did. See, you just judged me on that. (laughs) Oh, just messing. No, judgment, judged, right? Then what else? What else? Like uh, being misunderstood. Anybody here? Uh, Having your words twisted. So anyway, we're obviously really good at this. And now here's the worst part of all. Do you know who God is most likely going to speak through? In your life? Anybody here, you've received the truth, but it came from somebody that you have no value for? I don't have to listen to you. Let's just have a meditation for a moment. Yeah, do an altar. (laughs) All right, come on. Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor except in his own home and in his own home town and his own home." And here's the scariest one of all. And he did not do many miracles there because the lack of their faith. His hometown shut down the God of the universe. That's some skills. Like, that's a whole nother level, right? What, what happened? What happened? I, I promise you, they had some unmet expectations in him. Pit, Jesus, you out wandering. Who's ta- looking after Mary? Huh? Huh? Leaving your mom at home with that bozo James, right? You know, favoritism. Why do you get the miracles and not me? You know, lies. We always knew she had him out of wedlock. You know, whatever the layers of it is, it all has the same flavor. Do you guys know what offense feels like? Offense is, it allows me to justify accusation and judgment on the other person. And therefore, protect myself and step away from them. Does that make sense? Accusation and judgment. Anybody here been convicted of your accusation and judgment and then spent the next three hours justifying it to yourself? Anybody found that doesn't actually work? All it does is guarantee that you're going to miss out on what God has for you. Judgment and accusation 
are never, I'm going to say this, they may be justified, but they're never worth missing what God has for you and me. And they will rob you and me left and right when we allow it. Just, why do I say it's always justified? Because the devil always brings an element of truth. Why you're justified in protecting yourself, putting this barrier up. You don't get to speak into my life, whatever it is. But that's what caused them to miss out. Now it says he couldn't do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Now we've talked about this. Faith is a relational word. It's not, it's not about belief. It's about trust. So he's saying they didn't trust him. So why do you think he couldn't do many miracles? They didn't believe in him and they didn't come to him. It says throughout scripture, he healed all who came to him. Do you guys remember right after this, there's, he, he goes right into a whole series of massive miracles. And one of the greats is he's out preaching and the, and the, uh, the ruler in the synagogue comes up and goes, come see my son, my daughter is dying. You don't understand. This was so embarrassingly humiliating because he's the ruler of the synagogue. He, Jesus should come to him. He doesn't care. Why? Because desperation will get you over offense. And so he's like, I will, uh, Jesus, he's all but bowing down to Jesus. Please, I beg you, come, my daughter's dying. I don't care about theology. I don't care. I just need her alive. Jesus makes his way through a crowd of people. Now, do you believe, do you, I submit to you that crowd was full of people that needed what Jesus had but only one person got it. A woman who'd had 12 years of a flow of blood, considered unclean, basically unable to leave her house, completely rejected in her society, spent all her money trying to get better, nothing. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Boys and girls, don't get it twisted. It's not about the hem of his garment. It's about faith. It's about trust. She's like, if I can just get to him. She was, the reason she wanted to touch the hem of his garment is if she did that, it wouldn't make him unclean. She was concerned for him. And she went and she goes and grabs the hem and she's instantly healed. You, I can just imagine because she's down there and she just sinks back, sits down, just dumbfounded, healed. And Jesus walks on and goes, whoa, wait, I felt power go out. It says over and over again that Jesus felt compassion to heal. What Warren was talking about. When God, he said, I felt God's love go out of me. God's love is power. And it changes what it touches. Here he's going through. He's, we talk about this all the time. It's a buffet. Jesus is walking through with the best food cart in town. And the, the doors are open and food's laid out. And everybody's going, what a lovely truck. It's beautiful. I love what you've done with it. Really awesome. Do you have a schedule? Do you have a menu? And then there's one woman who's grabbing stuff off the bar. Why? She didn't care what anybody else thought. She didn't care about all. So it, who were the people that were hurting her the most during this season is probably men who are rejecting her, kicking her out of the synagogue, not, on every level. And here is a man. She's not letting his gender get in the way. <laughs> oh, no. I'm getting me some. She jumps over those barriers, and Jesus goes, your faith has made you well. Your trust. Trust over and against offense, over and against 
everything else over against, I mean, the vulnerability for her to press into a crowd where they literally could start trying to beat her for being out in public and touching them. No, she's getting her some. And then it goes on, it goes on over and over again. We see these breakthroughs. Um, but this is where I want to come to this. And here's where we're going to end with this portion is he, he goes on, uh, he has this, um, if you just keep reading through, it goes, he feeds the 5,000, he walks on water. So he, he is dealing with physically impossible situations. He's dealing with resource provision problems. He's dealing with it. And then right in the middle of it, the, the Pharisees are offended because his disciples don't wash their hands. You seeing a theme? You seeing a theme? He's doing some really amazing things, right? I don't know about you. That would make me change the channel. I'd be like, yes, I'll watch that, right? Here, every situation he comes into, he transforms. And what do they have a problem with? Are you not washing your hands? <laughs> Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's in there somewhere, I think. Hezekiah 4.3 or something. I don't know. No, what do they do? They allow hand washing to keep them from experiencing the kingdom of heaven. They allow this little piddly thing to keep them from the fullness of what God has. Oh, I am so much better than they are. Can I tell you the number of times I have judged people who are either going to minister to me or people who are preaching from the front? I've spent half of uh, probably 45% of 45, uh, 95% of many sermons actually evaluating clothes choices. And the, and the snicker I get from God, oh, wow, that's interesting. Oh, or I, I remember I was in one place, and I was just like, you know what? I had so judged the person that I could hear nothing. Like, literally, all I spent the whole time was rehashing why I didn't need to listen to him. This also, by the way, applies to people you live with. Actually, especially. <laughs> Why? Because anybody here, you have a whole dossier of reasons not to listen to the person who lives with you? About your own mind. Yeah. Do you know who teaches me an awful lot? Our daughter. She asks the best questions. It's amazing. Every single, God can, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through a donkey. He can speak through anyone. It, and this is why Jesus says, let he who has ears, let him hear. So he rolls on and, and it's coming out of this place. I love it. Peter comes up again and go, Uh, you know, and Jesus has to explain the parables again. And then we come up to uh, verse 21 of chapter 15. And this is where we're going to end. So here's this whole thing. He's been going around Galilee and he decides to go up into Syria. So I won't draw a map because I know you guys can't handle that. Um, and, uh, or at least my drawing skills. Um, but Galilee, so Judea is where Jerusalem is. That's the poor, but religiously powerful area. Galilee is the richer uh, area. And then north of that is Syria, and which traditionally has ruled over Israel. 
and, um, and it's been throughout centuries. And so it's, it's also the place of the wealth. It's the place of power. The governor in Syria was one of the most powerful people in that whole region. And so he's going, uh, so if, it would be like this. He's come down out of the hills, down into, I'm from Kentucky. He come down out of the hills to the big city, you know, and where they see him as a hick. Jews are considered the weirdest people in all of the Roman Empire. Every other group of people has submitted to Roman culture, everything, not the Jews. Jews look different, do different. I mean, it's crazy. That's why Israel is the only group of people that actually have a different set of laws than, than the Roman Empire. Because the Romans, Romans like, fine, do whatever you want. Anyway, but they, they treated them horrifically. They looked at them as complete, either uh, like uh, religious nut jobs or hicks. You take your pick, or both on a good day. Anyway, so here's what happens. Leaving the place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Withdrew speaks of a vacation. He's like, y'all are weird. I'm getting out of here. I can't handle it. If I see another Pharisee, I'm going to punch him. Let's move. He, did, he didn't say that. All right. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She's using incredibly Jewish language, but she is an utter pagan. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering horribly. Remember what we said about the, the ruler of the synagogue? I need my daughter. I, our, our daughter had a, a stomachache re recently, stomachache in the night. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm willing to do anything. You want my ear, you want my elbow. I don't care, just to make it stop, right? She's desperate. Jesus did not answer a word. Who's offended already? Yes. <laughs> now, I said this last week, the passages that offend you the most are usually the places God has the most to give you. If you don't yet see love, keep looking, keep asking. All right. He doesn't answer her a word. So he's just sitting there. Mm -hmm. What? What? Jesus didn't answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. In other words, she's making a stink. She's making a scene. Okay. Who, who are my Southern bells here? You don't make a stink. You don't make a fuss. And you're deeply offended by those who do. Right? Anybody? No. Okay. Jesus did not answer words. Right. He said, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Why? This is a really interesting phrase. For a long time, I thought he was like, hey, it ain't my business. What did he say though? I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Who are the lost sheep? So coming back from exile, only a very small portion of the Jews made it back from exile. The lost sheep of Israel were actually all the Jews that disappeared. It wasn't just, but anyway, just stay with me. But I don't think that's what the disciples heard, did they? Why? Because what did the disciples want to do? Get rid of this unclean pagan. And the woman came and knelt before him. <laughs> so the disciples are running, you know, crowd control, and she's ducking between their knees and crawling right up to Jesus. Now, has she gotten over some offense? She thinks he's a dumb, sick, messed up hick. And now he's offended her because of what he, he hasn't said and then what he has said. She keeps coming though, doesn't she? 
Lord, help me. She keeps honoring him. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Judas is like, as your PR director, we're just going to have to strike that. that does, oh my gosh, take it off Twitter, please. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's already got 5,000 shares. Oh no. Oh my goodness. How are we going to deal with this? Oh, thank goodness. We'll just say it was a Syrian thing. What does he say this? Because... Syrians called the Jews dogs. He was actually revealing her offense. And watch, because the only way you can deal with offense is take it head on. You can't go around it, can't go over, you got to go through it. You got to go straight at it. You can't justify it, you can't paint it over, you can't act like it's not there. Anybody tried that? Oh no, I'm not. Have you ever done this? You're like, I feel like you're offended. Oh no, I am not offended. <laughs> you just have very crazy eyes. <laughs> no, there's no problem. I do, it's my workout program. And she says, yes, it is, Lord. I promise you in this moment, she doesn't have a clue what's going on. She's just desperate. Even the dogs, if, if it's a dog that gets it, fine, I'll be a dog. Get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. What happened? She went straight at her own offense. She went straight at it. She wouldn't let it block her. She was going to come. She was going to get low. She was going to draw near to him and receive it. Anybody here, we talked to, uh, several weeks ago about getting uh, processing feedback. Anybody here struggled to process feedback? Who here gets offended when you get feedback? I would submit that when we get feedback is the number one time we get offended. Oh, who gave you the right to give me feedback? Well, I'm simply telling you how I experience you. Oh, that does not give you a qualified. That does not qualify you. In this moment, she says, I'm not going to let me get in the way of what I want. If you watch Jesus, everywhere he goes, he puts up a little barrier of offense. Right between the person and what they want. He was, what he was doing is he's pointing out her barrier and says, come to me, come to me. Come to me. Why? He wants her to experience the love of the Father. He wants her to experience it. She's not tricking him into it. She's not forcing him here. Anybody here, you have this feeling you have to do a little dance to get God to show up? You don't have to do a dance for God to show up. You don't have to trick him. He is love incarnate. He is longing to love you. But sometimes if we, in our manipulations, we're trying to, to get him to show up, do a rain dance, whatever, we miss the fact that he's saying, come to me, come to me. And so sometimes he'll say, the very person you're offended at, he'll say, go, they'll share a testimony and they'll say, you'll say, go to him and ask him to pray for you. <laughs> Why would God do that? Because he wants to break down barriers. He wants to release love because it's got to, this whole thing I said at the beginning, love last week. For a relationship to happen, there has to be what? 
Anybody? Vulnerability. Cost. Reward. And choice. There has to be a choice. There has to be a choice. And Jesus is giving her a chance to choose him over and against her offense. Because, see, if she thinks, treats him as a weird wacko, can she receive from him what she needs? But as she lifts him up, as, her, as he is elevated in her eyes, as she gets over her offense, suddenly he is big enough to bring breakthrough where she needs it. Does that make sense? If, if the person giving you feedback, you don't value at all, can you receive the feedback they're giving? No. No, you, you are not the expert here, right? If somebody has, a, a, if you think somebody is a weirdo, and a, a, you are not going to be able to receive from them. If you think whatever that offense is, and God reveals the offense to break it away, way, one, so that we may be one even as the, I and the Father are one, but also so that we can experience his love. And the amount of power that can flow through that pipe is determined by the width of it. And what blocks that pipe is offense. And I'll say it again in the words of, of the great little children's storybook. You can't go over it, can't go around it. I guess you got to go through it. There's no other way. And time and time again, at least in our lives, I've seen that whatever I want lies on the other side of offense. Oh, a classic for us. And here we'll, we'll be landing the plane. We, um, uh, let's, some backstory. Um, I made a complete mess of my life in my early 20s. Who are my people? And, uh, um, and I blame Jesus for it. Who are my people? And it took me about, and so I said, God, you told me, because I misheard the voice of God. Anybody here misheard the voice of God? L let me show you what it was for me. Lord, is she the one or is she the one? I don't care, whichever Lord. Tell me, tell me, I just want your will, Lord. Asking God out of a place of deep desire makes you dumb. Anyway, so I blame God for the mess of my life. And for about, I quit listening to God. Anybody quit listening to God because you misheard him? Three of us, blink twice. Thank you. All right. As a result, I couldn't hear God's voice. I could barely even remember that I'd ever heard God's voice. And uh, I got very offended at all things charismatic, but more than anything, I got offended at a move of God that happened in Toronto because that move of God had come to my church and blown up my church. And I was very offended at it. Anybody here, you have certain areas of Christianity that you're more offended than others? Okay, this was my, you know, this was black label, label stuff. Anyway, so what happened is um, we were missionaries in Russia trying to help people, trying to minister to, to these kids and uh, started realizing some of them were demonized. So I had to change my theology to include demons. Uh, it's kind of obvious when one kid, he would go rigid and shake whenever you read the Bible. <laughs> anyway, so we didn't, but we increasingly had no answers for them. And then, um, you know, we, uh, I developed a theology, I've shared this before, that our kids were too broken for God to save. Then I heard about a lady by the name of Heidi Baker working with kids in way worse situations and them being transformed and actually those kids planting 
or churches. And so obviously the problem was in the kids and the problem wasn't God, so what was left? <laughs> and a friend of ours said, well, you know, Heidi Baker really was blessed by Toronto. Remember, I'm offended at Toronto. But at this point, I'm desperate. I'm desperate because if we don't get answers, we're, we're leaving the mission field. If we don't get answers, I'm done. I'm actually getting worse ministering to these kids than, than they're getting better. And so we went to a conference of out with, put on by Toronto, and uh, it was so offensive, but I had paid money for it. <laughs> I remember the first service was on the cross. I was like, got that t-shirt. I did not come for that. I came for power signs and wonders. <laughs> I was so offended. So I went to the front, because they did an altar call at the end, and I paid money, so I'm getting me some. I don't even know what they're offering. I literally, I'm not joking. I don't even know what the altar call was for. But there was, like, there was like 500 people literally stretched across the front of this place. And so I went right in the front, right in front of the, the minister, because I figured he would either start at that end or that end or jump off the stage. Either way, I'd you know, work in the odds. They started at both ends. <laughs> so for 30 minutes, I'm standing there. I'm like, and people are like putting their hands up. I'm like, oh, well, we're doing that? Okay. And about uh, maybe a 15, 20 minutes in, I have this feeling like uh, that my hand... You ever do this where you're sitting and you just feel like your leg would be more comfortable if you crossed it the other way? It was like that, but it was like my arms would be more comfortable if I moved them. Like a person with cerebral palsy. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. Because nobody's doing that, right? I might do it if other people are doing it, but I'm not doing that. They're not making any progress, I swear. I don't know if they're doing inner healing or counseling or what, but they're not, I'm standing in the middle and I'm so, I'm getting more and more offended. And then it's getting like, it, it's coming again, this idea, you know, let your arms move. And I'm like, mm, no. So this is, they're either going to think I'm crazy, which is probably accurate, or they're going to think I'm a jerk and I'm making fun of, st of stuff. So I'm not doing that. And then after a while, I was like, but you've paid all this money. I yes, I have. <laughs> and nobody knows you here. I'm like, no, they don't. Except for Masha and your friend who probably already don't have a great high opinion of you. <laughs> that is true. I said, what's the big deal? Fine. If this, if this brings you the breakthrough, I'm like, Pum. 45 minutes go by. They never get to me. And nothing, my arms are moving, but nothing's happening here. I'm just like, finally, I go to lunch. I come back then because I paid money. I came back to the next session. Cost. Paid money, and I was looking for a reward. And the, it was the, the, uh, the, the, the um, was, uh, <laughs> that's all, Pope. Um, it was a, uh, the next sermon was on forgiveness. And I was like, when do the signs and wonders? Now I have more to unforgive. But come to find out, I had a little problem with unforgiveness. Because I had unforgiveness against everybody. Even you. I didn't even know you. And I was, I was a go-getter. I had like, you know, bought advanced shares or something. I was, yeah, waiting for you. I've got some unforgiveness for you. Um, anyway, 
And so they, they get everybody to go, uh, you know, they're like, whoever needs it, turns out everybody needs healing from unforgiveness. So 2,000 people stand up. So they just get rid of the chairs and they do these lines and they're going up and down the lines praying for people. And it's like, duck, duck, goose. Anyway, and I'm just like, so I, I have like 45 minutes again to get offended. <laughs> I get offended, unoffended, unoffended, you know, because I'm at least realize I got to be open if I'm going to receive anything, Right. So I'm like, and they, and they, and of course they start at the other end of the room. Anyway, so they come up to me and the guy, the man of God, the power for the hour reaches over and I'm a big safety person. If I pray for you, I put my hand on your, on the corner of your shoulder, right? And I'm, and I ask you, is it okay if I put my hand on you? He walks up and puts his hand on my stomach and I'm like, oh no, oh no. But remember, I paid money for this, and I'd already been standing for 45 minutes, and I'd been working on my offense, and I've got tons of unforgiveness, and I need help. Fine. So I crossed that bridge. It's literally like a bill a second in my mind. And in this moment, the best I can say it is that my muscles in my stomach felt like they would be more comfortable if I clenched them hard enough that they pull my legs off the floor. And I'm like, but I paid my money. <laughs> And I've done the deal. I'm like, and I've already figured out that Masha is not going to judge me more or less. So I just let go. And I end up rocking on the floor for the next three hours, forgiving the planet. <laughs> you were, you were, you were. That was round two, actually. I was, no, what happened is that breakthrough softened a heart that was hard as a rock. That vulnerability, that willingness to say, Lord, at any cost. I want you. I'm not putting any boundaries, limitations. I want you. I don't care if I look like an idiot. I don't care. I need you. I'm not, you know, oh. I mean, the number of times I'm like, Jesus, I just want you to do this this way. Jesus, I just want you in this little parameters. If you heal me, da, 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 anybody? I lay it all down. I want you. Nothing will stand in my way. And over that week, I, or weekend, whatever it was, I was radically transformed. Uh, Masha, thankfully, took home a better man. <laughs> I'll take you. No. Um, and in that moment, what happens, though, is, is as long as we keep tiptoeing on, around our offense, if we keep... Oh, gosh. It got worse. Okay. Uh, do we, okay. You, you want to hear me? Uh, uh, real quick. So then, so I'm doing good. I'm like getting all the good stuff. Oh, then, then they, they pull up a guy to teach on hearing God's voice. And I was like, oh, I need to know that. How do we hear God's voice? I've forgotten. And, but right beforehand, there's a guy sitting on the front row who's wearing a suit. And we're all like dressed like this. And I'm already like hip to, the, to, to how you've got to dress. I was like, oh, who let the old fogey in? He's wearing a suit. And then he gets up and it's Gordon Robertson, who's part of the 700 Club, which I have totally rejected, utterly, completely. <laughs> And, um, and I was just so offended. I was like, and he begins to go, teach. And just in two or three sentences, totally opened my heart to be able to hear God's voice. Wow. Just like that. Again, just dealing with events. So then it turns out that this, the man of God of power for the hour, John Arnott's going to be in Russia. And I'm like, I want to find out where. And they say, go talk to him. And I go to talk to him, ask him a question. He thinks he, that he and his wife, that we're, Masha and I are asking him and his wife to pray for us. So they pray for us, and unfortunately, I'm on the ground again. And I'm lying there, and in the middle of it, God goes, Peter, your tongue is a weapon. 
It has been used for so, binding up burdens that nobody can lift, for judgment and accusation. But I want to give you a tongue of blessing. Okay. So he takes my tongue in, in, in my mind, and he, and he gives me back this tongue that's like this tiny, this tiny little tongue. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? And he's like, that's your tongue of blessing. I'm like, really tiny? And I'm lying on the floor at this point. And, I go, and he goes, if you use it, it will grow. If you use it, it will grow. And I'm like, okay. So I'm lying there. I go, <laughs> and Carol Arnott, his, his wife, who is crazier than, as far as, so this shouldn't be crazy to her, but whatever. She looks over and she goes, John, look what he's doing with his tongue. Do you think it's demon possession? Now I got to deal with another event. So, and then I go, I go out into the hall, uh, I, and later I, I see him, because I'm still trying to find out when he's going to be in Russia, and he, and he goes, he goes, Peter, when you were lying on the floor, what happened to you? I said, oh, no, no, tongue of blessing, da, 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 da. He goes, huh, with the look my father would give me when he doesn't believe me. I'm like, oh, man, he thinks I'm a fraud. So, I, so I'm depressed out of my mind. We go into the last service, and I'm mad. Because I don't know if any of this is real. Because with the stomach and the arms, like I was partnering with it, right? I don't know if it was real. I don't know. Maybe it was fake. I think everybody else is having real stuff. Maybe it's me fake. Ah! And I was like, fine, Jesus, if you want it, if you want me, then I'm not going to do anything to help you, but you got to do it to me. <laughs> About halfway through worship, my hands are going again. And I realize, I said, you tricked me because I did that with you. I'm really mad at God now. So I said, fine, if this is really you, have him out of 2,000 people call us up in the next five minutes. Because I, see, here's the deal. I was offended, but I was honest with my offense. As long as we put daisies on it and paint it up and make it justify it, we can't get it dealt with. But I was like, I don't care. I'm hungry. I've paid money. I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I want the reward. And so standing there, I went, Jesus! I, anyway, so I'm just standing there mad. Right? About three minutes later, will that couple from Russia please come to the front? I'm like, oh, man. And I'm getting up there, and I'm all ready. And by the way, this is televised. We have the tape somewhere. Masha, it's in Russia, but I think there's one over here. If you pay money, maybe we'll do a pay-per-view. Um, I'm standing at the front. And uh, there's a line of people, and they're doing testimonies about what happened. And I'm preparing my little... Anybody here, you prepare your little speech in your head? Anyway, I'm preparing my little speech. And he goes, Peter, wow, when you came here, what were you hoping, where, what were you hoping to get? And I was like, oh, we were just a bunch of... And as soon as I opened my mouth, I'm like... And you got to understand, up to this point, my number one goals were to be respectable and, and intellectually, uh, appear intellectual. Be smart. I'm not doing so well. And, and I've got to, again, I've got to make a choice. Do I want it? Oh, even so. So I'm sitting there, I go, and I go, I go, and so my whole speech goes out of my head because I can't say it. I'm like, we were missionaries. It wasn't working. Lots of pain, no fruit. And he goes, oh, that's nice. He said, but what did you get? Ah, uh, tongue cursing, tongue of blessing. 
At which point I'm like, ah! And he goes, that's wonderful, Peter. And I remember I came for power. I was like, when you put him in a box, you don't get him. But when you take off the box, he sits there and he goes, he goes, that's wonderful. Well, people, why don't we show Peter what he'll be taking back with him to Russia? It sounds like a game show. Um, and he goes, oh, so could you stand up here, please? Uh, Peter needs to practice. He says, just put your hands on them and just say something like, oh, receive the fire or whatever. I was like, receive the fire. The lady goes out. I'm like, ooh. And then he goes, he goes, okay. He goes, okay, Peter, let's try it again, but a little less dramatic. <laughs> Which, by the way, was what I was called as a kid for being too dramatic. Offense, 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 offense. The amounts of offense I got over were directly proportional to the amount of breakthrough. So then in that moment, I'm sitting there going, I'm like, okay. So he, he brings up this other woman, praying for her. She just takes off rolling. I don't know what happened to her. She's probably still rolling. Uh, she was the head of their prayer ministry. He's go, let's try one more. This gentleman comes up and I put his hands on him. Nothing happens. Pray again. He goes out, starts bouncing on the floor, vibrating like this. I don't even know how you do that, but it was like that far off the ground. Like, boom, boom, boom. I was like, well, that was great. And he goes, let's just pray. I'm laid out on the front in front of everybody. And they're praying for me. A couple of people are praying for me. And I'm lying there. I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. And they said, well, the, they asked me, they, they, I'm starting to get up, and the guy goes, did God say you could get up? I'm like, I don't know, I wasn't asking. I'm just feeling uncomfortable because he's standing over my body to preaching. <laughs> anyway, and so I stay down there, but in that time, the Lord took me back to a point when I was seven years old, my seven-year-old birthday, when I um, had decided I would never look forward to anything ever again because that's, that's how you get disappointed. And he said, I liked you a lot better before that. And God in that moment took a very crusty, I was about 95 years old, offended at everybody, and made me a little child. That Scott could say, I think they let the children's pastor preach uh, on Sunday. And in that moment, out of that point of being offended, overcoming offense after offense, our lives were changed forever. If you don't like what you've got, look for the offense in your life. And ask God what lies on the other side. Woo! All right. We can just stand. Uh, uh, I probably triggered half of you. Okay, all of you. Uh, all of us together. I'm triggered. Um, but let's just take a moment. It, this is really simple because we can't even deal with our own offense. We get offended at our offense. So Jesus, we stand before you. If the worship team could come, we stand before you. We hold out to you our offense. We don't even know what to do with it. We're so offended by it. We're so frozen by it. But Lord, we are confident that you are calling us to break down those walls, but even those we can't do. So Lord, we come before you with our offense and we say, Lord, don't let it stand in my way anymore. Show me what the reward is on the other side and take me through at all costs. I take off the boundaries, the limitations, the expectations of how it's got to look or what it's going to do or how people are going to perceive me. I just want what lies on the other side, no matter what, no matter the cost, no matter, no matter, no matter. Take me through, Lord. In your name, amen. Welcome to Arise Life a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. 
For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.